one day Jesus walks and bumps into a tax collector. And after interacting with the tax collector for a little while, the tax collector invites Jesus into his house. The Pharisees see Jesus walking into this tax collector's house. And a little while later, they see Jesus exiting the house. The next day, the Pharisees see Jesus again. But this time they see him entering the place of where the prostitutes are. And a little while later, they see him leaving that place of the prostitutes. The next day, the Pharisees see Jesus walking and entering into the house of one of the greatest criminals of all of Jerusalem responsible for the murder of countless lives. And a little while later, they see Jesus leave the house of that murderer. Jesus is guilty by association, according to the Pharisees. And this is in the scriptures, how they judged him. How interesting is it, though, that even though the Pharisees were absolutely convinced in their own hearts that their judgment was correct, they were the most wrong people on this earth. You see, they ended up being larger opponents to God than the sinners themselves that Jesus was hanging out with. The religious men ended up as bigger opponents to God because of their pride and self-righteousness. You see, it wasn't just enough for the Pharisees to be absolutely 100% convinced in their own mind that their belief about Jesus and what they see is true. There's two other things that were required for them to make that judgment. They didn't only need to be 100% convinced, but they needed to be 100% correct in their judgment. And they also needed God's authority to make the judgment. Because see, in their minds, they saw Jesus as a son of the devil. They called him the pr a prince of demons. They said he had a prince of demons in him that allowed him to cause our demons. The Pharisees were convinced that Jesus was of the devil. They if you were to ask one of those certain Pharisees who came up against him, they would tell you that he is not of God, that he is a false prophet, that he is all these things because he meets with prostitutes. He meets with tax collectors. He meets with murderers. He does. He seems to go in and out of those places. So he must be one of them too. Right. And because of that, he is guilty by association. And how often do we judge others 
because of their association with certain people we don't like or agree with or think of as evil? Or how often do we judge others because of their environments, because of the places they enter that we don't agree with? Without always understanding, when we don't always see why they enter that place, why they're there. The Pharisees just pass judgment by appearances, while the reason, the real reason that our Messiah went to be around murderers, to be around tax collector, to be around prostitutes is not because of the obvious judge by appearance conclusion a man can come up with, but because he went to reach them with the truth. Because it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, it is those who are sick. That means that if we are saved and we have something that is freedom or we ought to have to give to people, we need to enter places where there are those who are sick. That is why I don't understand when there are people who are celebrities or people who are in dark places who come to Christ, that people judge them when they have been when they have been chosen to be a light in their darkness and not to just remove themselves and run away from the darkness. Because we are supposed to be lights in the darkness. Because if we are not the light in the darkness, who will be it? We are called to be the light. We are called to be a river of living water for all to drink of when we enter. But we need to go and take this water and this light to places where there is a drought and when there is darkness. To places where people are in bondage. To places where there is evil. To places where people are sick and thirsty and hungry and who are deprived of the truth. Those are the places that God calls us to go. And so we must be careful. To not judge by appearances, those of our brothers who go into those places and we draw lines in the sand and think they go for this or that reason. If in fact they go for a reason completely the opposite. What if that celebrity is still in Hollywood because he's trying to be a light to those around him instead of running away like a coward from the enemy's place instead of that going in and running like a warrior? Because he has God on his side and with God on his side, he's able to change Hollywood itself. You see, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you the parable that Yeshua, the parable that Jesus told his disciples in the midst of him being persecuted by these Pharisees. It is the parable of the wheat and the tares. And I want to remind you that the reason that he told parables to his disciples is because he spoke these words for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. Because those who don't have ears to hear and eyes to see, those who are blind, will not understand these parables. Will you open your eyes today? Will you open your ears today to listen to this parable and to understand what he actually said? Because it might shock you. Matthew 13, verse 24. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. 
But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? Gather these tares up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest time. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So what is this parable in reference to? We have this enemy who is Satan coming to sow bad seed in the field of our father, God, who is the master of the field. And when the crop grows, we see that there's not only wheat, the servants, they see there's not only wheat, but there are no tares that have grown among the wheat. But the master representing the father says, do not uproot the tares, even though you feel like that is the way to go, even though you feel like that is the solution. Do not go and do that, because if you uproot the tares, you may uproot wheat among it. Rather, wait until it's harvest time, which represents the end of the age where I will send out reapers which are the angels of God who will gather the tares up first in bundles to be burned. But the wheat will then be preserved because the reapers have gathered it. We see the servants who identified there are tares, their desire, their first instinct was to go and try and uproot it and pull it out to try and save this field from these terrors that are in, in it to save the wheat. They had good intentions. Yet the master said that is not the way your good intentions may destroy the wheat in the midst of you trying to simply uproot the tares. You see this field, it represents the world In the world. There are many kinds of people. There are people who are wheat in terms of they are sons of God. They are his. They are believers. And then there are tares, people who are tares, people who may even look like wheat. They may look like believers. They may look like they follow God and have a heart for him. But in reality, their hearts are wicked and they are sons of the devil. You see, here's the thing. The servants like is, is like how we are. We look after we look at this at the wheat of the father. We look at the children of God and we want to protect them against the terrors. And what did the servants do? They said, let's rip out the terrors. But God says, no, lest you rip out the wheat too. But see, here's the thing. God allowed them to identify that there are tares in the field. And see 
if their works are bad, for example, or see that the terrors have bad um, intentions, that the terrors can come against the wheat. But God did not allow the servants to pass final judgment on the terrors, to be the ones to go and rip them out. And the reason he was saying all this is because he was afraid that the servants would damage the wheat in the process. And I want to submit to you that there are four reasons that he told them to wait, told them to not uproot it. And this is important to understand, because if you don't understand that God wants you to wait, don't go and uproot the terrors. Don't go and just pass final judgment on all these people you are absolutely convinced are evil. Because if you are wrong, you will be a servant who will be receiving judgment because you disobeyed the instruction of the master who told you to wait, who told you to wait to the end when the harvest season come, when the reapers, the angels will take care of it. The four reasons on why the servants could not go and uproot are the following. It's because firstly, they simply didn't have the authority to do so. They were servants, not reapers. There is a difference in the text. We see that God told the servants to wait because the reapers will do it. We are not called to uproot the tares. Rather, God says that the angels will do so at the end of the age. You see, we fell. Each and every single one of us have of the servants, right? Have sin. We have all fallen short of the glory of God and we received his grace. Glory to God for that. But we had to get that grace because we fell in the first place. And if we want what we deserve, we'll go to hell because that's what we deserve. Apart from the sacrifice of what Yeshua, what Jesus did for us, that's what we deserve. We deserve separation from God. So who are we to try and uproot people who are deserving of hell if that was going to be our destiny as well. If we are just as guilty as they are because of our sin, we have the same sin as they. There's no difference. We all fall short of this glory. The only difference between us and someone who isn't saved is the fact that we have Messiah and he covers us. That means that it is not our works. It is not how holy we live that justifies us before God as someone who deserves heaven. Or who deserves salvation. No. If you want to be saved by simply what you've done. Then you will go to the same place as the people. As the tears you're pointing the finger to. This is why Yeshua said. Watch out with how you judge. Because the measure that you use to judge will be measured back to you. If we understand our place. That it is not our place to pass that final judgment on others that is God's to make. We will do well. You see, brothers and sisters, yes, the reality is that God is the judge. He is the great judge. He is a perfect judge. And for me, that is both a thing that makes me happy and terrified at the same time. It makes me happy because I will not be judged in light of how a flawed man would see me, but rather how a perfect God sees me. 
That means his judgment will be just and perfect and righteous. But it is scary because it means that his judgment is righteous and good and just. And it means that I have nothing that I can hide from his eyes and ears. And so that means that we need to leave that final call of what is a wheat and what is a tear, who is a wheat and who is a tear, the final call up to him. Because we don't have perfect judgment, no matter how hard you try. Like those Pharisees, they were convinced in their mind that they were right. But they were 100% wrong, even though they thought they were 100% right. Because it's not just about being convinced you're right, it's actually about being right in reality and having the authority to do so, which we don't have. The second reason the servants could not uproot the terrors or were disallowed that by the master is because they lacked discernment. The master was afraid that they would take some of the wheat along with the terrors. They also, number three, did not have the tools necessary. A reaper, the ones who are the angels who will come at the end of the age to finish the job of gathering the tares, have a reaping shaft, right? Where they go and they, they are able to accurately divide that which is a wheat from that which is a tear. You see, that discernment we lack, that tool we lack. We are servants. We are not reapers. We are men, mere men. We are not angels. We haven't been given that gift and that authority and that responsibility and that equipment, that tool to be able to do that. It's simply not our place. And the last reason, number four, is because it was simply the wrong timing. God said that you need to wait until the end of the when it's harvest time. You see, he could have gone and told the um, servants, okay, yes, we see there are terrors. Let me go get the reapers and we're going to get rid of all the terrors. That's not what he said. He said, we're going to wait until the end, till it's harvest time, the end of the age. Then I will send out the reapers. Why? It's interesting. If you agriculturally know anything about tares and wheat is that oftentimes certain kinds of tares, when they are um, both in their immature stages, you'll see that the wheat and the tares, it actually looks the same. The wheat, they look when they're still ripe, when they're not ready yet, when they're not ready for harvest, they can be mistaken to look just like a tear in appearance by even the most skilled eyes, the most skilled farmers. That's why it is better to wait until the harvest time, because when it is harvest time, the wheat changes color and it starts to blossom with those fruits. It shows that those fruits start coming out that which we ultimately harvest. And when it is at harvest time, the timing when it is right, you can easily see the difference between what a tear is and what a piece of wheat is. You see, that's the thing that separates them is the one will bear good fruit like the wheat. Well, the other will not have any fruit to bear. A tear has no good fruit to bear. Nothing that we can consume. That's why we don't want it in our fields in the first place. We will know them by their fruits. But here's the thing. 
is if you have a baby wheat, wheat, baby piece of that alongside of a baby tear, it's really hard to tell which one is which, because that is how we are as people. When we just become born again, when we come to God and we are now a wheat, we're not a terror anymore. We're a wheat We're 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 part of him. We're a son of him. We belong to him. But when we just be just like you, when you just became born again, hey, you still have you're still rough around the edges, right? You're still going to swear by accident or you're going to um, um, say words you shouldn't say or maybe even do lie by accident still or do little things you're not supposed to do. You have a lot of issues that you're still dealing with, even though you are saved because you've given everything you have to God. You desire to live like him, but you still struggle in some areas, even those other in other areas. You did receive deliverance. You aren't perfect from day one, right? And from the perspective of men, the perspective of those servants, if you will, you can look like a tear, even though inwardly, you know, you're saved, you know that God has has chosen you and God knows it, too. But by the judgment of people who lack discernment, who can't see the difference because the harvest time isn't yet, you haven't had time to bear good fruit yet. They will make a false judgment. They will make a judgment as you being a tear, even if you're a wheat. And that's why God told the servants, don't uproot anything yet. Wait until harvest time, because then my reapers who are trained and authorized to do what they do will be able to accurately see who has fruit, who doesn't, who is a true believer and who isn't. And then God is ultimately the one who will walk into the storehouse, who will look through everything, make sure that the wheat is wheat and the tares are tares because his judgment is perfect. His judgment is pure, righteous and holy, and no one else comes near his perfection. You see, brothers and sisters, this parable teaches us that, yes, we are to call out people who need to repent. We are. It is good for us to be able to judge what is right from wrong. We are called to do that. It is important, right? And that is what the master allowed the servants to do. He allowed them to say there are some tears. They saw some tears and they said there are tears. And the master said, yes, there are tears. That's fine. That's it's good to identify that. And Yeshua did that with the Pharisees. He said, Look at the Pharisees. Don't do what they do because their fruits are bad. Don't follow their fruits. Don't do their works. He's calling out. There are tares among them. He's identifying that there are tares, but he's care. But there's careful and a carefulness about it. And Matthew 15, verse seven, we see an example of this. We read the disciples came and said to Yeshua, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? Yeshua answered and said, every plant which my father has not planted will be uprooted. And then he says, let them alone. There are blind leaders of the blind. and If the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. Yeshua is basically repeating this principle of the parable of the wheat and tares, and he's applying it to the Pharisees. 
the disciples come to him and say, the Pharisees were offended at you. And he says, yes, they were offended. And every plant that my father has not planted will be uprooted. Every seed that was sown by the enemy will be uprooted, right? By those reapers that the father will use. But leave them alone. Do not uproot them. That's what he tells his disciples. Don't uproot the, the Pharisees. Leave them alone. Is that what we do? When we somewhat see someone who, who do things that we don't agree with, do we leave them alone? Because this is what Yeshua said. Guys, brothers and sisters, I understand. Just like those servants, we are the ones who our first instinct is to go and want to uproot everyone who doesn't agree with us. Who we think are terrors. But Yeshua said, leave them alone. This is what he has said. You can't get away from this. He says, leave them alone. He says then this, the, they are the blind leading the blind. Get what that means. It means that the Pharisees didn't cause people to go blind. The Pharisees weren't... You know, causing people to become um, blind who were once able to see. But they were actually leading people who were always blind to begin with. It is the sons of the devil who will follow the sons of the devil. It is those who are blind who will follow the blind. But it is the sons of God who will follow the other sons of God. Those who see will follow those who see. And so we don't have to get torn up about terrors. Because what they simply do is they bundle up together. We see at the end of the age, the father will, he says, bundle it up and throw throw it into a fire. The tears. And so, brothers and sisters, just because there is a false prophet among us, the people who will fall for that false prophet are people who were never his to begin with. They may have looked on the outside like they were weak, but they in reality, they were terrors because if someone starts following a false prophet, they do so because the false prophet appeases and appeals to their flesh, appeals to what they their wicked desires instead of their their living sacrifice, because there is no living sacrifice. God even says in Deuteronomy 13 that he will allow false prophets to go among us to test us to see whether we are all in for him or whether we will fall away to leave his commandments, to leave his statutes and follow something or someone else. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to judge righteously with righteous judgment the fruits of people. And we need to identify, we can identify when there is someone among us who is not of us. But don't go and pronounce final judgments on whoever you seem fit to do so. Rather, be careful lest you invoke that measure of judgment on yourself, because your discernment is not perfect. And you know, a good example of this is just what we just saw in the news everywhere now with Kanye West. This man who's he's a celebrity, right? He's a musical artist and he was against God in many ways, right? He did a lot of he lived a lifestyle that is in complete opposition to God. And it seems by some appearances that he is coming 
to Jesus, that he is turning his life around. He's putting out a gospel album. He's doing all kinds of things that seems like he actually has had a born again experience. Am I saying that he has? No, because I don't know. Am I saying that he is a false prophet? No, because I don't know. Am I saying he's saved or he's going to go to hell? No, because I don't know. Because we need to wait to see when this field grows up, when his field grows up, to see whether good fruit is produced or whether it is a tear. And if it is a tear, is God not able to deal with him? You see, it's not our job. We can warn people against someone's bad works when there is direct bad works that we can point to. But we cannot go and judge the salvation or eternal security of a person or say that this person, this person, he is going to go to hell. His salvation is this or that. I remind you of what Gamaliel said in Acts chapter five with the disciples. As the Pharisees dragged the disciples into the courts, they accused them with many accusations. But Gamaliel stood up and said, brothers, watch out what you do, because if you make a judgment on these men, even though you are completely convinced in your mind that you are right, if by any chance you are wrong, you will come against God himself. And I say the same thing. If you, we, we drag Kanye West before the courts, we drag him before everyone and say, point the finger and say, he is a false prophet. I want to say the same thing. Watch out with how you judge. Because if he is of God, he will flourish. His ministry will flourish. He will be saved and he will bring many to salvation. But if he is from God and you tell others he is not, you will be coming against God yourself. You will be coming against God's ministry and God's works in a man. It is because you may think that you are righteous that you can pass that judgment. But you are just as unrighteous. Have you forgotten from where you came? Have you forgotten from what God has delivered you from or where you were? How much his power is to deliver those who are, are as far gone as they could be? He is able to do it. Who says he can't do it for Kanye West? Of course he could. And right now it's too early. Kanye is still rough around the edges. He may have things that are he's doing wrong still, but he's rough around the edges. He's repenting. He may be repenting for all we know. We don't know. But until he grows up, we won't know. Until the end of the age, when the harvest comes and the father makes that judgment call, we won't truly know because we only have half the picture. We lack discernment. We don't even have the tool to divide the wheat from that which is not wheat. And in Luke 9, the same thing, the disciples came to Yeshua and said, there's a man he's not of us, but he's casting demons out in your name, Jesus. What should we do with him? And Jesus said the same thing. He said, do not forbid him. Do not come against him. Do not stop him for whoever is not against us is for us. Kanye West, for example, right now, he's not against us. He is trying in what he thinks, at least, whether it is true or not, whether it is real or not. He is trying to bring people to the gospel. He is preaching the gospel. He is telling people to turn from their sins. That's the thing. Some of the things I've seen. Am I making any judgment here? No, I'm just saying 
watch out. Let's be careful about this thing. And let's see what happens. Because if I go and make a video about how he's trying to deceive everyone, how he is a false prophet, how he is a son of the devil, and I'm in the prong, I will stand before God one day as a son of the devil. Because I would have been working for the devil without even knowing it, even though I thought I was working for God. God is able to make men fall and their ministries fall if they are of the devil. That is what Gamliel said. If these men are not of God, their ministries will fail. It will perish. But if it is of God, it will be sustained and continue. And here we are 2000 years later. It is continuing. God is able to make those fall who he wants to make fall. It is not our job to uproot them. May God bless you and keep you. If this video has blessed you, consider subscribing to this YouTube channel and liking this video. Also, a shout out and thank you to the partners of this ministry who has made this video and every other video this month possible. Blessings and shalom.